We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 249. Our guest today is a lifelong equestrian whose experience and involvement in the industry has ebbed and flowed over the years. He did take a long break with several years, and then during the pandemic started back into the equestrian world again. He has shown so much resilience through overcoming drug and alcohol addiction, a very scary prognosis through illness, and has made it to the other side with such an amazing story and is really paying it forward within the industry. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Bill Rube. Um, Well, I would love to hear a little bit about how you first got introduced into the equestrian world. So... When I was a little kid, and this comes from my mother telling me, I don't remember it, they bought me a rocking horse. Mm. And I was on that rocking horse morning, noon, and night until I could walk. And then I would always walk down the street because we had neighbors that had ponies. Mm. So I was just always fascinated by horses and ponies and couldn't get enough of them. So one thing led to another. Um, I was not able to get my own horse uh, as, as a kid. So I didn't get my first horse until I uh, was in college. But prior to that, I would work, you know, I was like a, a barn rat. I would work at <laughs> barns in exchange for lessons. And I just couldn't get enough of being around the animals. And uh, once I bought my own horse uh, when I was in college, it just turned into such a passion and and so so important to me because it was a great outlet uh you know for somebody like me who who at the time you know I was ADHD and mm-hmm. all over the place and this the horses kind of ground you um so you know that's that's how it started and then it went from there yeah uh, with a, with a few sidetracks you know a few hiccups during the way and and so forth but yeah I've, I've loved horses ever since I can remember. Wow. Well, yeah, fast forwarding a bit, you took a several year hiatus from riding. What kind of prompted you to get back into the saddle again? Prompted me to get back into the saddle was COVID. Yeah. COVID hit and I took the job with the Glen Air Equestrian Program, which is an amazing program. And we have, a, 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 we have about 32 horses in the program. And I would say two dozen maybe are used for the work to ride for the mm-hmm. students, mm-hmm. you know, that come in and, and for the work to ride program. And we had to suspend operations as everything else, you know, and, and the, the, the kids weren't allowed to come. So at that point, um, it was all hands on deck. And mm-hmm. um, I was asked, hey, you, you, you ride. Let's, I got back in the saddle and I, I, started to realize, oh, I have missed this so bad. You know, why did I get out of this? And I then decided to go find a a horse of my own and basically with the idea of pleasure riding. And we had some 
non-rated shows that we hold here on the farm for you know the local you know the local community and also the kids in our program right and i thought oh i'll just get on and do that and that'll be that well that lasted about two weeks because i don't know any other way but to get back into showing full throttle and Mm -hmm. i love to compete and so thank you covid for getting me back into it wow Um, What, what were you doing before that while I was in college, my life took a different turn, and and I wound up taking what I call Drugs 101. Mm. And I became very addicted to a lot of drugs, opiate, and eventually heroin. Um, it took a big chunk out of my life. I didn't know what to do, and I lived to get high, and that quickly caught up with me. And... I was about 27 years old and I had been in, I'm going to tell you, 20 plus rehabs. And I was told that I was hopeless. And for one reason or another, I went July 26th, I don't forget it, 1983. And I went into another rehab and something clicked. And from that day on, I have not had a drink or a drug. Wow. So in order to get your life together, at that point, when you're when you're first in recovery, you have to avoid what they call people, places, and things. So, I avoided the horses. I avoided old friends. I avoided anybody that I had any connection with in order to get my life and start over. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it was about 1988 or so. And Joe uh, Moralia, who is now my husband, said, "You know, why don't you go up and take a riding lesson? Give you something to do." Mm-hmm. Well, I took one lesson and before you knew it, I took 10 lessons, like everything else. And then before you knew it, I had a horse and it started up again. And I, you know, went up the level, you know, kept selling one, buying a better one, selling one, buying a better one, sure. having the time of my life, um, wow. you know, showing all over up and down the East Coast. And during this time as well, um, I had been diagnosed in the 90s with um hepatitis c Hmm. and you know from my addiction you know it left me with that and uh i did not respond to the treatment that was available at that time my body couldn't handle it so basically you know i i I went with holistic things and so on and so forth Hmm. long story short it's like 2014 and i get told that i have a couple years left Because my liver was, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, just whatever the word is, you know. Yeah, yeah, my liver was messed up, put it that way. So I basically was like, okay. And I was working. I was, uh, and during those years, I ran collection agencies that were, and eventually they were all over the world. And I was a workaholic and I submerged myself in work and riding. And I'll never forget it. In 2016, I got a call from my doctor and he said, it was right before Christmas. And he said, Bill, there's medication out there that will cure your hepatitis C within three months. Well, I was like ecstatic. But in the two years prior to that, I decided that I was going to have the time of my life and, and, and do whatever I wanted, not say no to myself and spend an awful lot of money. So... <laughs> Truth be told, I got the medication 
and I wound up healthy and broke. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which I don't trade away a minute of it for anything. And, um, you know, continued with the horses. And it was also at that point in my life that I decided to get into a grateful, grateful mode, I'm going to say it. So I quit my job doing, you know, in the, in the public sector, and I went to work in the nonprofit sector, first with the USHJA as their funds development director for the foundation, and we very successful with that. And then I decided to go work for, uh, after a couple of years, to work for Lindsay Maxwell and the Lindsay Maxwell Charitable Fund, and they did some excellent things, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, I had had one of my horses in, in the early 2000s was a horse named Mystery Date, and I had sold him. And I was on Facebook one time, and I, 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 I asked, you know, I wonder whatever happened to my horse Mystery Date. And a woman answered me. Her name was Ellen Healy. And she said, we had Mystery Date here. He was donated to our program, the Glen Eyre Equestrian Program. And he lived at his best years, and he was wonderful for our mm-hmm. students. So I, it just it, it just warmed, warmed me up. And, and I then you know, continued to work for Lindsay. And then when I was in Florida, I was in a a dog park in the Polo Club in Wellington, and I got to meet Ellen face to face. And, you know, we had a great conversation. Fast forward that fall, uh, she needed an executive director for the Glen Eyre Equestrian Program and somebody to also help raise funds and, and do all that. And it's close to my house. And it is an amazing program. And I, I will use this cliche. It's, 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 I've used it before, but had this program been around when I was a kid, I may have turned left instead of right. If you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And I see these wonderful kids coming into this program. Um, You know, every, every child is, is, is an at-risk youth and they have some trial or tribulation that, that they're going through, um, you know, multifaceted. Um, um, and I saw these kids getting, you know, they're coming in and, and, and I see them come in and they start to smile, they get a glow and, and they just turn into this, you know, they, they become outgoing and they, and they're, te- and they work on a team and they're team players. And, you know, so that's, that's where I am now as, as far as career wise, I've been here for three years and it's my way of, um, paying it forward. You know, I don't have a ton of money to make all these donations. So whenever I can, I try to acknowledge, you know, and help somebody, you know, help somebody in, in, in their, in their life in some way, if that makes sense. Totally. Absolutely. And I, I love how open you are with your experiences throughout your life and your journey to sobriety. It's been 39 years. Correct. 39 years. Amazing. How do you feel like horses have played a role in your sobriety? Horses are amazing. Yeah. So horse, so it was funny. I just showed over this weekend and, and um, I have this wonderful horse named center of attention and he is the sweetest soul. I I swear we were soulmates in another life. I I can't put my finger on it, but horses keep me centered. They are an extreme force to be reckoned with. And 
I was once told by a trainer named Jack Trainer, coincidentally, <laughs> my own words, um, that if you believe in the horse, the horse will believe in you and they will do anything. And I truly believe that. And I think there has to be a connection, you know, between, you know, the horses and, and whoever is riding them or yeah. caring for them, so forth. But to answer your question, horses are a very stabling influence. Whenever I'm not at work, you know, I, I'm around the horses. I do not do well sitting around reading a book. Me and my head do not get along mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> so, you know, they're just amazing animals and they can, you can actually heal through them too, because, you know, we're taking care of them. They rely on us, mm -hmm. you know, and um, what I really like too is I want to, I want to see the, in, the industry, you know, encourage more people to get involved. You know, we were talking earlier and when I was growing up and I was horse showing, you, you could go to a regular horse show and then you could aspire to go to a rated horse show. So in my day, it would have been like Devon, Fairfield, we used to mm -hmm. go to, or Ox Ridge, you know, different shows like yeah. that. Today, you know, being involved at the grassroots level mm -hmm. and also at the you know top show level there's no in between that pipeline does not exist. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really difficult. I have seen some strides being made by the USHJA mm -hmm. uh, with this outreach program they have. And from what I know of it, it's, it's doing really good things. You know, you don't have to be a member and right. you know, it's, it's back to the basics. And I want to see the sport be all inclusive because mm -hmm. it has so much to offer. You know, and Absolutely. the other thing that I'm passionate about is I started some five years ago, which you may be aware of, a style of riding award. Yes. And to me, the one who gets that award has to be a great sport. But I also watch how they treat their horses while they're warming up, how they show, what they do when they come out of the ring, and also when they're out of the ring, how they pay it forward in some way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, an example, um, and I haven't had a chance to give him the award, but is is Nick Hannis. And um, I ran into him at Devon, and I said, you know, my one young horse is going to be in Kentucky with Will Baker, the guy I train with. Um, and I said, would you mind, you know, putting your eyes on him and, and, and giving Will a hand? And Nick was there every day helping, you know, just. Wow. Yeah, you know, and there's so many people like that. So anybody that's gotten this award has paid it forward and they they really truly mean to do so. In other words, like I have this old saying, you can't keep what you have unless you give it away. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so if you don't have money, help out, you know, give somebody a helping hand. You right. know, we're, we're, yeah, so... I love that. That's so important because especially in this industry, I think um, sometimes we get, and I've, I've talked about this so much, but I think for me, especially growing up, I thought, you know, in order to be a part of this industry, you had to either be a top rider or a top trainer and to think about all the different 
facets of the industry and um, how there are so many people that make up the equestrian community with so many skills and passions and things that they're amazing at that it besides besides for financially, there really are so many ways that we can be helping each other out. So I just, I love that. I think that that's a really great way that our community can keep growing. And I think that also includes people, you know, what we were talking about, who we don't have to always think of that as, as money or like, you know, a monetary amount, but even just time, like what Nick did when he kind of took that time out of his schedule to, you know, do that for you. And, and, you know, doing things like helping that pipeline of showing where people can take the time to help create programs like this and the USHJA or having some kind of more in-between shows to fill in that gap so that there's not such a extreme gap between the local level shows and the A-rated shows. And I think that's all going to be different people in the equestrian community who have different, you know, skill sets and passions to really kind of fill those gaps and use their time and their skills to be able to make those things happen. I agree with you 100%. And there really are a lot of people out there that lend a helping hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I know so many people in the industry and I just love being around horse shows and seeing everyone and cheering, you know, my friends on and clapping and, you know, the whole, the whole social circle is a, yeah. is a ton of fun. And, you know, it can, it can provide a lot of rewards mm-hmm. and it does for me, even though I may not go around and get a ribbon. You know what I mean? But I was on, you know, I had, I showed yesterday or Saturday and I had a big miss at the first jump. I didn't care. We kept going around that. I had the time of my life, you know, and, and it's about having fun. And I want to see smiles on people's faces and, you know, not make it such a, a, a a serious business, you know, like, you know, so many times, you know, people just show up um and you know get on their horse and leave and Mm -hmm. you know we've lost also the skills to develop horsemanship in young people you know like from the ground up learning you know all about the horse and 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 horsemanship in general and Mm -hmm. I see a lot of trainers starting from the ground up you know and they really work hard and they're passionate about it too and as a customer you know, you're also, you, you also want customer service and can be very demanding, but at the same time, when you're, when you're also have a hobby and you involve passion, it adds a whole other dynamic. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to juggle, but done right. It can be a great outlet and it can teach anyone, any age, to be responsible, to have fun, and to help help out somehow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know about you, but I feel like no matter where you live, your body finds some time of year to be freezing cold. I grew up in Wisconsin, so obviously I experienced that to the fullest. But now that I live in Florida, I still 
gets so cold in the winter. You probably know Red and Goat for their signature one-piece outerwear designs. I wear them all the time. But they've launched a schooling collection that you seriously have to try. Every piece is designed to be mixed and matched for head-to-toe looks that transition seamlessly from the barn to the rest of your life. Like they seriously have jogger breeches that are so brilliant. So while Red and Goat is absolutely the go-to for outerwear and they make the best rain suit, I swear by it, their new clothing pieces are incredible. If you like color block, you are going to love their styles. Go check everything out at redingoatequestrian.com. That's R-E-D-I-N-G-O-T-E equestrian.com. Reflecting back on your career as an equestrian, what would you say is maybe a piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Pay attention. Mm. Listen to what's being told. Don't think that you know it all. Yeah. It's crazy how the more you learn, the more you realize you need to learn more. (laughs) Correct. And, you know, I I will say this too. My other, my other uh, big, uh, uh, passion of mine is also the history of our sport. And when I was with the USHJA, I, I, I helped them get the, you know, the, the Wheeler Museum, the USHJA Wheeler Museum off the ground. And I also am on Facebook in a group called Hunters and Jumpers of the 70s and 80s, where mm. there's some 10,000 plus photos. But, you know, I, I also believe that we can take the history and the tradition of yesterday and blend that with today. Mm-hmm. They have to meet in the middle somewhere. Right. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with a horse galloping around a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and playing in the corner. Sure. You know, and yes. just to see how things are done. And, and after all, a horse show is a horse show. Look the part. Yeah. I love that. That's That's really good advice for anyone. I love that. What would you say is something, I know we've touched on several things that would be an amazing topic for this question, but what would you say is something that you are super passionate about in the industry that you feel like other people either just don't talk about or know enough about? I would say the industry needs to be all inclusive. Mm -hmm. It needs to open its arms, open its gates to everybody that has a desire to participate. I really, really want to see the grassroots level take off. I travel around a little bit and I watch these smaller shows and I see some of these kids and adults develop Mm -hmm. and I know they aspire, you know, to uh, go on further. Um, But I think it's really, really important that people get introduced to horses because it's really important for me to see the bond between a horse and a rider. Mm -hmm. It's truly transformational. Totally. And even if you don't want to ride, go volunteer at a stable and, you know, brush a horse, do something that makes you feel good and will also make the animal feel good. Where do you feel like the maybe the kind of like in-between programs and horse shows, where do you think they went? Like, why do you feel like there is that gap now that wasn't there, you know, like when, even when I was growing up or, you know, when you were in riding and and learning the ropes, where did that kind of pathway go wrong? 
Okay, in my opinion now, mm-hmm. if you remember back, horse shows were always charity events. Yeah. Most of the time. They were benefit of this hospital, benefit of the Lions Club, benefit of the, you know, uh, uh, rehab center, whatever. Sure. The, there was always a charity, always a charity associated with a horse show. It had a charitable, charitable component most right. of the time. Then as time evolved, people started to realize that, wait a minute, this could be a really big business. Mm. And then we started to see the, the, the birth of uh, uh, horse show factories, as I like to call them, um, where different venues you know, took over a few weeks and held events. Um, and that grew into more and more. Uh, it just kept growing. And so, there, you know, when people find out that they can make money at something and they can capitalize on it, you know, you lose the, the for lack of better words, you lose the intent and the integrity of what right. the event could bring to the table. Right. That's what I think. Um, but that being said, I also see some great venues, you know, that have, you know, multiple weeks doing a really, really good job. Um, and trying to do a good job so and make it all inclusive mm-hmm. um, so you know and I you know and I for lack of a better world equestrian center in Ocala you know I spent the three months there this year and that show is quite amazing it's affordable and they have classes for people to jump rails on the ground yeah up to you know Given everybody the exposure, you know, to the to the industry. Right. And as I came back here, I start to see a lot of these other shows adding these these classes to their, you know, to their schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and but that to me is where it went wrong. I think it went from a charitable type of, you know, uh, events into a business into big business. Right. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, there's just such a gap and that you kind of experienced firsthand when you came back from a break from riding, it was kind of either like a, like a local non-rated show, like that you had at, at that barn facility. And then, you know, obviously you were one way where you just kind of wanted to rip the bandaid and go do it 110%. But for a lot of people, especially after taking a break, which is very common, coming back to it, it's so intimidating going into, uh, you know, going from like a, you know, like a very local show to a really big venue where everyone's watching you. It's so nerve wracking and you're going to like, what if I chip all the, all these things (laughs) that having some of these middle venues where you still are getting good practice, but there, there's a little more room for you to kind of just take a breath and realize, okay, I got to, I got to just do it to get back into it again. Cause I feel like that's a huge part of success in our sport is just the repetition of doing it. And so having different venues like that. And I think that's another reason why, um, the world equestrian center has, has been so successful and having so many different classes and levels that it really allows people to go in there and just do it and kind of have the experience under their belt. I agree. And, you know, I think we can also, as much as COVID, you know, hampered our life, there's, there's, you know, there's always something positive to get out of, out of a a negative happening. And I think it gave everybody, 
in this industry a chance to hit the pause button, reevaluate what they were doing, how they were doing it. And am I having fun? Am I not having fun? Mm. And I see a lot of that since, you know, since the end of COVID more so this year where you see more smiles, you see more camaraderie, you Mm -hmm. see people getting even back to the basics, socializing at shows and going out to dinner and, you know, yeah. Anyway, so yes. Definitely. Well, yeah, I totally agree. I think that it was the forced pause that a lot of people in our industry at least needed. And um, it seems like that was definitely a pivotal moment for you as well. So it's been really cool to see all the things you've been doing, um, obviously, you know, with horses specifically, but also within the industry with Glen Eyre and um, with the Style of Riding Award. There's so many wonderful things that you're doing. And so I really appreciate everything that you have done for the industry and love to continue to see you flourish. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to ramble on. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. It was I hope I made sense. I hope I made sense. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I loved having you on. Thank you. I love being on. So thank you so much. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.